This is Unfilter, episode 72 for October 23rd, 2013. A 68 year old woman, mum and a baby, was killed in a drone strike that appears to have been directly targeted at her. Her grandchildren recounted in painful detail to Amnesty International the moment when she was blown into pieces in front of their very eyes while she was gathering vegetables. On this week's episode of Unfiltered, two major reports landed this week that outline the evidence of war crimes committed by the United States using drones. Both reports involved a staggering amount of on-the-ground data collection, and the timing of these releases is no coincidence. We'll dig in. Then, leaks from Edward Snowden have revealed the NSA's massive surveillance of the French public, hacking of the emails of the Mexican president, and that's just the start. We'll share the details, plus our GMO watch, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. From the Jupiter Broadcasting News and Obamacare Information Central Station, my name is Chase Nunes and welcome again to another episode of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you should not be watching. Joining me every week is this guy right here, Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Yo there, Mr. Chase. Hey, buddy. I'm thrilled to be here with you, Chase. Hey. Hey, you know what? There's a new thing I want to introduce to the show right right off the top here. Let's do it. Uh, It's going to be called Job Watch. Okay. Job watch. Is it? Should we have like? Does Chase have a job yet? Dot com. Right. <laughs> kind of like that. Only. Oh. <laughs> Why'd you have to say that on the show? All right, we'll, we'll edit that out. Don't worry. I won't no, put that no, in the no. Show. People, people are li- we're live right now. No, I know. Like, I, like I, got, I would edit it out. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> now, so that's a good idea, though. I like that. I think you, we could just do it in the show. We'll just do it in the show. Yeah, all right. Well, so how's it going, Chase? Uh, well, it's good, and uh, no, Chase does not have a job. Okay. And it's uh, 143 days since I've last worked. Wow. Yeah. But you're not keeping count. No, no, not that no, anybody's keeping count. No, not four months and 20 days hey, to the day. While we're keeping count of stuff, uh, I have a, a little bit of a. Wait. This is CNN's a little breaking news. news. Go ahead. Uh, the Unfilter show is going to be uh, uh, live a little earlier next week. Why, Chris? We are doing. Because uh, you're going like on a trip to uh, Minecon, right? I'm going to Minecon next week. So we're going to yeah. shift it to 5, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Hey, Eastern. can I tell your uh, your listeners? I, I know we, we reach worldwide. Worldwide. World, <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, I'm giving away a Ooh. ticket to Minecon. I thought you were going to say your virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just did. I don't know why. Well, uh, well if you're hot, uh, please let me know. No. Uh, you're married, Chase. What? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> um, anyway, so um, we're given – if you live in the Orlando area or mm-hmm. you really want to go to Minecon and you feel like you would go yeah. if we gave you a ticket. How would gonna, somebody take advantage of this? Uh, on this Sunday, uh, we're going to be having episode 99 of Minecraft, me, the ooh, Minecraft show that I do, ooh. and we're going to give away a ticket. Live? Live. Oh. We're going to be crazy. So Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Where do they win and where? 
live.geekgamer.tv, uh, probably 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. Not sure yet. Um, mm, you better you f- check with Leo first. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Who's Leo? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, very good. That sounds like a good opportunity for somebody. Yeah, yeah. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know tickets right now? They're going for like 800 bucks a pop. Wow. People are saying I'm crazy giving this away. You crazy passionate about the community. Yeah. Yeah. So you know who else is crazy passionate? Uh, that would be uh, the U.S. ambassador in Paris this week. Uh, he's Segway. Nice. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's good until you point it out, Chase. Oh, damn. Uh, so he's uh, right. definitely getting a grilling right now because as part of the Snowden leaks, it's come out that there has been mass surveillance of French citizen phone calls. <laughs> I just did that. I just did that. Let's get back to our top story and revelations made in Le Monde newspaper that the National Security Agency has been spying or has spied during a one-month period on tens of millions of phone calls by French citizens. The executive editor of Le Monde, Nathalie Nougaret, joins me now live from Paris. I'm glad we can talk to you now, uh, Nathalie Nougaret. Uh, tell us a little bit about this investigation that was published in your newspaper in Le Monde today uh, and what the documents that were uh, shared with you by Edward Snowden. Oh, man, that was a mouthful. No. And what were the documents shared with you by Edward Snowden? The NSA leaker, what did they reveal about what the NSA did in France? Yeah. Now, this is also this, – this gal is about to be a bit of a mouthful herself. <laughs> However, she's the <laughs> she's the editor. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that sounds. That sounded so bad. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Oh, she's, she was the editor of the paper in France that published uh, these leaks. So this is about as close to the horse's mouth as we're going to get on the story. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> Just stop. You're okay. ahead. All right. Stop. Hi, Hala. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, Le Monde today uh, has started publishing a series of articles um, about NSA activities, specifically targeting France. Um, we are joining basically another number of uh, newspapers in the world who have been reporting on these documents. And what we did um, back in August was um, uh, start a cooperation with uh, Glenn Greenwald, who is in Brazil and who has the Edward Snowden documents. So basically what we, uh, we've we analyzed and we've gone through thousands of documents and what we have been um, publishing today and will pursue in the, in the following days is the extent of uh, uh, NSA surveillance uh, in, on French targets, on French uh, phone communications, uh, internet communications, and the numbers are quite striking. What we have discovered is that uh, over the period of one month uh, from early December to early January uh, 2013, uh, over 70 million uh, telephone uh, records have been uh, captured by the NSA in France. And this is striking for French public opinion. Yeah, you heard that right. More than 70 million French phone calls have been recorded in the 30-day period late last year. Techniques included the automatic recording of conversations from certain numbers, sweeping up text messages based on keywords. Also, the paper warned that Interceptions were likely to have targeted not just those suspected of terrorist links, but also people in business, politics, and the French administration. Parlez-vous français? Yes. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to say we. Oui. No. No. No? No. No. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. So, of course, they're pretty upset. Uh, so when it comes to spying on citizens, all, however, French or foreign, French have also been in hot water before. Uh, 
Le Monde itself, that's the newspaper, detailed that the activity of the French external intelligence agency, the DGSE, only three months ago got busted. According to the report, the DGSE itself collects phone calls and emails in France and other countries, breaking French law with the authorization of previous presidents and the current, uh, I don't actually know, Francisus Hollande. I don't know. So, uh, it's kind of funny, but they're pretty upset about it. They've, they're grilling our, uh, our ambassador right now, but however, they've kind of been caught doing the same thing. Now, uh, this didn't stop just with France, of course. It turns out, uh, we wanted to get some information from the top. Of the Mexican government. Mexico says it's won a pledge from President Obama to investigate the NSA's apparent spying on its government. Leaks from Edward Snowden reported by Der Spiegel suggest Spiegel. the NSA hacked the email accounts of then-President Felipe Calderon in 2010 and of current Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto before he was elected. On Tuesday, Mexican Secretary of Foreign Affairs Jose Antonio Meade said Obama has promised an investigation and has assured Peña Nieto he didn't authorize the spying. Yeah, he says he didn't authorize it. So if so, if we're spying on the president of Mexico's email inbox, like we've actually like it sounds like they actually hacked it. Um, but Obama says he what didn't, is he using Yahoo Mail? I mean, what is he using? What if it was his government account? I mean, so. If that is a pretty big intrusion, right? Yeah. And if Obama didn't authorize it, then who is the intelligence agency answering to? They're not. And I think we've established that on the show a yeah. lot. I think this episode, we're really, I think we're going to drive it home, especially when we get into the drone stuff. I think it's going to be pretty clear that these intelligence agencies, both the CIA in terms of the drones and the NSA in terms of spying, are running fully unchecked. And of course, that's also gotten us in hot water now with Merkel. Well, it just keeps on coming when it comes to who the U.S. are allegedly spying on. Now, the latest allegations surround the personal mobile telephone of German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Now, there were allegations made that the United States were um, or had hacked into and were spying on her personal communications. Now, these allegations were taken seriously enough by the German security services, the BND, and German Chancellor Angela Merkel herself to prompt her to put a phone call in to President Barack Obama directly. Now, a spokesperson for Angela Merkel has said that uh, if it turned out that this had gone on, it would be totally unacceptable. And she's demanding an explanation to these allegations from the U.S. Yeah, actually, so this is this one's a little hard to track down. Now, we have the Der Spiegel report in the, in the, linked in the show notes. This has all of the juicy details. However, it is in German. Uh, and all of the U.S. You don't read German, Chris? I used the Google Translate and I read it and it was hard. And, <laughs> all, and all of the reprints that are happening in the U.S. are not translating, they're paraphrasing. But essentially what I've gathered is the German, the German government ordered sort of an internal security audit after the revelations came out. And in their audit, they discovered that the NSA has been accessing potentially, allegedly, uh, Angela Merkel's email inbox her personal email inbox for like years like they've been doing this for years according to this audit they've done so she gets on the phone today with barry and says what is going on what are you doing and he says uh uh he says uh excuse me uh hello everybody you got to realize we are not monitoring your email right communication it's essentially what he said um but we'll find out right so and again if if that's the case who is the who is the intelligence agency the nsa uh, acting on behest of maybe Diane Feinstein can tell us uh, she wrote an op-ed 
Ye, defending the NSA in the USA Today, Feinstein made the case for retaining the program, which routinely collects and stores phone records of millions of Americans. But she wants you all to know in this piece, it's not surveillance. Uh, of course, Diane Feinstein is the chair of the U.S. Senate committee charged with holding the intelligence establishment to account, supposedly. Now, on and Monday- also the lovely person who wants to bring back CISPA again. Right. And uh, zombie CISPA. Zombie CISPA. And on Monday... She argued that the NSA's mass collection of phone records is not surveillance and it should be maintained as an essential tool to combat terrorism and that if we had had it during 9-11, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, God. I know. So uh, <laughs> somebody's going to write in and tell us we have to get rid of that bell. We're going to get in trouble. <laughs> You're dinging it over there so much. Uh, but it is ding-worthy. It is ding-worthy. I'll give it a ding, too, because I'll tell you what. See? We did have NSA surveillance in place during 9-11. We did. Yeah. So yeah. that argument is kind of moot. Well, here, I don't understand this, Chris. Maybe you can help draw this out for me and the, the lovely audience. She is acting like she cares. All right? I, I'm trying to put myself in her mindset for a moment. Okay. I believe that we should do this uh, because, right. you know, make us a more safer country. Mm-hmm. What is that mindset? I mean, because she must know that it's not. Well, it's either it's either for profit because her husband has connections to That's the defense That's true. Industry. I forgot about that. So follow the money. It's Go back to the saying, follow right, the money, Chase. Right. It, follow c- the money. it could be for that purpose alone. Right. It, it could also be like some sort of um, like genuine scare because you figure – so they're surrounded by lobbyists and, and, and representatives from these intelligence agencies. Yeah. And they're all telling her the same thing all the time. And they're all coming from a position of authority. They're all coming from a position of professionalism. They're all going through the proper channels. And they all get to, they all get to say, this is classified. This is secret. We can't tell you everything. But you know more than the public does. And that's why they say the things they say. And you know all of the secrets, the really bad ones. And, of course, some of them could be completely hot air. But because – she now has the mindset that she knows more than the public, and in probably in many many circumstances, she, well, she's she probably does. delivered a lot of confidential reports, right, exactly. and a lot of information. So right. you know, it's probably rational for her to a always play it safe, b go where the money leads her, and right. c yeah. act on confidential information that she believes. I mean, Boy. that's maybe what it is. It's, it's possible, or she's a total trash factory. Uh, speaking of trash factories, here's Carney saying, no, no, the U.S. isn't spying on Merkel. I can tell you that today President Obama and Chancellor Merkel spoke by telephone regarding Ooh, the allegations that telephone. you mentioned, uh, that the U.S. National Security Agency intercepted the communications of the German chancellor. And I can tell you that the president assured the chancellor that the United States is not monitoring and will not monitor the communications of the chancellor. The United States greatly values our close cooperation with Germany on a broad range of shared security challenges. As the President has said, the U.S. is reviewing the way that we gather intelligence to ensure that we properly balance the security concerns of our citizens and allies with the privacy concerns that all people share. (laughs) Both leaders agreed to intensify further the cooperation between our intelligence services with the goal of protecting the security of both countries and of our partners, as well as protecting the privacy of our citizens. Well, that was a really well prepared statement for him, wasn't it? It was, and Carney's just like his head's down the whole time. He's like, I just can't believe I'm having to say this crap again. Stuff. Carney's a poor guy. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So, no, it wasn't totally us. I think it's going to be really interesting if they now. What would be? I think what would really blow the lid off this thing is if the German government came ahead and said, "Well, here's our evidence. Here's our logs. Here's your IP address connecting to her our, her IMAP folder." <laughs> you know, I don't know what it would be, but it, wouldn't that be really interesting if? Yeah. Uh, 
because yeah, because it really would then start to demonstrate that I mean if 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 uh, Clapper can sit down and lie in front of Congress and have zero consequences and now it really is true that when Keith Alexander was sitting down there and saying well our NSA spying program has prevented fifty six terrorist attacks that argument has been completely destroyed yep. it's been completely yes, disproven it now right. although it's still getting repeated out there it's been completely disproven and that technically was definitely a stretching of the truth just right there no accountability you know it is just right in the face of everybody right there on c-span in front of the nation in front of the entire world we don't keep our officials accountable that are supposed to be holding this thing up and then all along we find that there's massive constitutional violations but nothing happens about it we find that we're doing invasive we're monitoring 70 million phone calls in france what what are we what are we spending our money on this is ridiculous well what scares me here chris is it's going to come to a head at some point and you know it has to i mean logical actions would dictate that and so when you uh, when we see reports like the Department of Homeland Security buying up, uh, you know, heavy duty equipment mm-hmm. and like those big vehicles, those big vehicles, <laughs> it just makes you wonder. Yeah. And it, obviously, something's going to come to a head. I just, I, you know, it scares me a little bit because I mean, what's going to happen? Because people at some point are going to get frustrated or or maybe not yeah well or maybe not and you know we we so we are seeing some people like brazil's taking actions to sort of bring everything back into their nation like they're 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 like setting up their own email system they're setting up all this like they're trying to like you know basically avoid using the u.s right for the internet so you're seeing some reactions that way uh and you know it's interesting at the same time this nsa thing's going on as these stories develop i start to see some connections to the drone program, and that is really creepy. In fact, uh, there was a story uh, that uh, came up last week. We didn't quite fit it into the news slate, but uh, it, it was revealed um, by uh, Grant, Glenn Greenwald that the NSA collaborates with the CIA in its drone assassination program. Um, and in the story, the Post disclosed that uh, many details about the NSA's activities help the CIA. Uh, in fact, at the request of U.S. intelligence officials who cited potential damage to ongoing operations in national security, some of the some of the details were redacted after they posted this article. But what we do know is that uh, the CIA's collaboration, according to an NSA spokesperson, is focused on discovering and developing intelligence about valid foreign intelligence targets, and that and that their operations protect the nation and its interests from threats such as terrorism and the proliferations of weapons of mass destruction. So they see it as part of their goal to collaborate with the CIA's uh, secret drone program. And so there's this really creepy tie-in where we're monitoring everybody in the world and then we're providing information to the CIA, uh, and then they set their drone targets. Pretty wild stuff. makes me wonder. I I know we don't have a story in here about this, but when you have Feinstein... Uh, and I'm always, you know, saying it, follow the money. But when you have Feinstein saying, you know, this, you know, this is not surveillance. This is, you know, this is a good thing. We need to do this. And then on the on the other side of the coin, she's trying to reinstitute CISPA. Right. Which, well, which, which totally, is being pushed by the entertainment and, and remember, CISPA agency. came out way before the Snowden stuff. Right. And remember what the thing about CISPA was is it indemnified companies from sharing users' information with the federal government, which it turns out Microsoft, Yahoo, Google are all doing, right? Apple, all of them. Right. So, by the way, that's what CISPA was all about. Just like when the telcos were, during the Bush administration, were full-fledged allowing them access to the fiber, they later then passed legislation that indemnified the telcos. Right, retroactive immunity, right. right. CISPA's the same damn thing for the IT industry yeah. because they're doing it on us. So, yeah, so you, you watch Feinstein do and it's what's so ridiculous is even if you were to take them at face value and say it's not surveillance, uh, and, and, she, and her whole argument is the metadata isn't, isn't 
you know, like isn't important when it's like it can be everything. Yeah. Anybody that understands security understands oh, that. Oh, yeah. You, you, oh, well, it's anonymous data. We're not uh, pulling it. Who any. you talk to, when you talk to them, where you're at when you talk to them, yeah. all of that is so critical. Yeah. Um, so when you look at all this stuff, even if on its face you believe them, right? Which I totally do. How How can someone in their position – who's supposed to be looking at the big picture not see how a future administration could come in and take this entire apparatus and turn it to be a super invasive machine that they use to attack their political enemies, that they use to survey people who are dissidents. Like, even if we had 10 years of this system never being abused, like there was never a single NSA violation, wouldn't it, and we know that's not the case already, hey, Chris, I hate wouldn't it just take one you. administration change, one Dick Cheney to get in office, and turn this, th- I mean, that's how it got started. I, ha- I hate to break it to you, Chris, but I bet you it's already happening now. Exactly. That's, but, so, but my point is, is even if you take everything they say at their, at their word, the problem is the f- in the future this machine can be turned for destructive purposes. That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are destructive purposes, this show is destructive to the mainstream media chase. That's right. And uh, I wanted to thank our supporters. Hey, I, that was an appropriate thing, by the way. I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, did you guys know? Did you did you know that this show is a listener-supported show? Chris, they did you already, know that? They already knew this. They did? They did. You know why? Because we don't have any ads. Because we, we also have over 229 unfiltered supporters. Wow, that's right. I want to say thank you to our unfiltered supporters. Yeah. You, we're trying to get to 333. That's going to make this show profitable in a sense. Actually, make it pay for itself. And then when we go beyond 333, then we're going to make it profitable. And, and you know, not then, that it's really going to be a lot, but if maybe, it grows. Then maybe, maybe, I may not even have to get a job because, think, because the the stars think, will align. We have to do the math. I think we'd have to get it like to a thousand subscribers, right? I, mean, I don't know. I, well, that's just I, I'm horrible at math. So, but, but, but Chris, it's going to get to the point where we're going to have so many subscribers. We're going to be churning out uh, shows more often. More. Dude, I'm serious. Actually, I mean, yeah. really, if it became like a big money maker, yeah, that would be a way to go. And this show could easily go multi times a week. There's yeah. so much stuff that goes yeah. on. That's a fascinating thought experiment, actually. It is. You know, we can wake up in the morning and we'll give you the unfiltered morning. Uh, oh, don't even tease. I've always wanted to do a morning show. I do too. Oh, don't even tease. So let's let's just keep this train going. Let's just keep this train going. So I thank you, tease you to two hundred and twenty nine unfiltered supporters: <laughs> Henrik T, T E, tight end. Okay, uh, football. Wim W, Russell, Alan P, Frankie, Sean, Nicholas C, Thomas Frankie? D, Sanny J, Campbell H, Nicholas B, Nathan, Chris, and Ben. All of you, go check your inboxes tonight because you will have your first unfiltered supporter show newsletter. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, when you sign up, you get the newsletter uh, after the first show after you've signed up. And in that newsletter is a little behind-the-scenes info. I've been giving out some links. And in this week's uh, supporter show, I've saved two really awesome documentaries, one of which is all HTML5, and it is the most amazing interactive documentary I've ever watched. I was up like at 1130, and I found this thing, and I couldn't go to bed. I had to watch all the things. I'm going to link that in the supporter show newsletter as well as link to uh, this supporter show. Which has a bunch of stuff we played before we started this episode, and uh, it also has a link to the back catalog, so you can get all the previous supporter shows. So thank you guys very much for being our unfiltered supporters. Please go over to JupiterBroadcasting.com if you'd like to keep this show on there. If you find some of the content we've covered valuable or informational, then we'd appreciate it if you'd like to keep us going. And you find a link to do that in the show notes of every single episode. Yes, show notes are important, you guys. I mean, you know, there's lots of extra I, stuff. I, in I, there. I know a lot of you guys, you know, just download the show, you don't think about it, and uh, you really try to ingest the content, but it's 
it's really good if you actually go back and read some of the things that we talk about because it gives you context. But some, it also, but it also shows that we're not bullshitting you either. Well, yeah, we're telling you the true. truth. Yeah, like we we really are. Like, yeah. yeah, there's like all this stuff is referenced. Yeah, this to is the best of our ability. Right. Yeah. And uh, accidental thing. <laughs> that was that was a, an appropriate and, accident. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so the and oftentimes, like for time, we'll kind of skip something. And yeah. so more information's in the show notes than what we actually covered. Yep. Not always, but That's often, right. pretty often. Yeah. All right, Jay. So let's switch gears here. Uh, and uh, if you're ready, then we. Oh my gosh! It's Anderson Cooper, everyone. I learned to play. So remember... I quit. Oh wait, I don't know. <laughs> remember last week when we played the clip about how uh, the media bolt brought on a whole bunch of. Uh... Oh, bunny sex. Yeah. No, that was during the, pr- the supporter show. Oh. Uh, when they brought on all of the uh, uh, um, defense industry uh, interests that were yeah. def- that were pushing us to go to Syria, yeah. Well, there was another uh, little expose on how Fox News is hiring PR people to go like respond to commenters on the internet about Fox News. Well, have you ever seen a ranting and raving comment on the internet? I'm sure I have in my days working here on my YouTube page. Well, and I'm sure you have as well. But did you ever think that the ranter might be getting paid? A new book called Murdoch. Fox World alleges that Fox News had its public relations staffers write comments on the internet that defended the news channel against any blogs that had something negative to oh. say. Oh, okay. According to David Folk and Flick, what? the book's author, the former Fox staffers would use anywhere from 20 to 100 fake accounts to defend the channel's honor. All right, you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting, right? But they're getting savvier. Now, check this out. They figured out people might track track them back to their IP. And the internet savvy among you might note that having different account names isn't enough to keep the comments from getting traced back to Fox News. But the Fox PR de- department already knew that. And so workers used anything from dial-up connection to old laptops to avoid detection. Wait. Fox News alert. Uh, Chase, I'm here to report that uh, the internet is having a heyday with Fox News between Shepard Smith's huge touchscreens and now this. The internet is really having a go at Fox recently. Hey, I got to say, if they don't play Star Trek in that new studio, dude, they need uh, to. Starship Artemis? Oh, right? my yeah. God. Yeah, That'd be so awesome. That would be. All right. So let's talk I'll about. I'll pay to do that. So one of the big stories that happened this week, you might not have even knew. there. Did you know there was a really big story this week? Well, um, uh, there's a few big stories yeah. this week. I mean, there's the World Series starting. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm talking about actual news. Oh, uh, so there has been two simultaneous reports that are underway, that were underway about. And there's also uh, some investigation going on by the U.N. That's secondary. We've talked about that before. But two reports were going on. Well, one of them from Am- uh, Amnesty International about the U.S. strikes, drone strikes in Pakistan and in and other locations. We're going to get into all of that. And they all got released this week, Tuesday. And the timing, well, it's there's no coincidence. Now, U.S. drone strikes could be classed as war crimes. That's according to Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch. Now, they have released reports detailing multiple strikes in Pakistan and in Yemen that led to the death of unarmed civilians. This all comes a day before Pakistan's Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif meets with the U.S. president. So this report drops right before the meeting that Obama has between Pakistan's Prime Minister. And here's a little more about that. The meeting between Obama and Pakistani Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif comes as Amnesty International has released a major new report on how U.S. drone strikes kill civilians in Pakistan, where it says some drone killings may amount to war crimes. The group reviewed 45 drone strikes that have occurred in North Waziristan since January 2012. It found at least 19 civilians were killed in just two of those strikes, 
despite claims by the Obama administration it is accurately targeting militants. In a separate report, Human Rights Watch criticized U.S. drone strikes in Yemen that have killed civilians. On Tuesday, White House spokesperson Jay Carney defended the legality of the U.S. drone program. So we have Amnesty International here and Human Rights Watch. These were the two different reports have come from. And here's Carney. You know, he's going to, I'm sure, have great things to say. Oh, positive. Totally. To the extent these reports claim that the U.S. has acted contrary to international law, we would strongly disagree. The administration has repeatedly emphasized the extraordinary care that we take to make sure counterterrorism actions are in accordance with all applicable law. On the eve of his meeting with President Obama, Prime Minister Sharif said the drone strikes violate international law and Pakistan's, quote, territorial integrity. There is, however, the matter of drone strikes which have deeply disturbed and agitated our people. In my first statement to, to the Parliament, I had reiterated our strong commitment to ensuring an end to the drone attacks. More recently, our political parties in a national conference had declared that the use of drones is not only a continued violation of our territorial integrity, but also detrimental to our resolve and efforts at eliminating terrorism from our country. This issue has become a major irritant in our bilateral relationship as well. Irritant. I would therefore stress the need for an end to drone attacks. Pakistani Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif speaking Tuesday in Washington. Now, the thing that makes this whole thing a little muddy is we've kind of had this like backdoor agreement with the Pakistani government that we're going to come in there and shoot these guys up. While right. Sharif has criticized the U.S. drone strikes, former Pakistani President Barrez Musharraf admitted earlier this year his government secretly signed off on U.S. drone strikes. Yeah. So yeah. That's, now, uh, I want to talk about, you had uh, that picture of that girl up on the yeah, uh, enhanced yeah. feed. Yeah. She is the granddaughter of this grandma that got a missile when she was out in her garden. And uh, here's a little more details about this. And this is one of the nine cases that Amnesty International looked into. So they haven't been investigating all of the drone strikes. Uh, they, they took a subset of them and then hyper-investigated uh, those subsets. So 45 strikes in Pakistan occurred uh, in January 2012, between January 2012 and August 2013, and they looked at nine of those. Um, and so one of those, this is one of the cases, there's a couple of stories that are actually kind of like this, but this is the one I pulled. And uh, this report goes into detail on that strike. In its report, Amnesty documented the case of a 68-year-old grandmother, Mamna Bibi, who was killed in a strike that appeared to be aimed directly at her. She was picking okra while surrounded by her grandchildren when she was blasted to pieces. Her son and granddaughter described the attack. The children were also with her. She was hit in the first attack and her body parts were lying scattered. First it whistled, then I heard a dum. The first hit us and the second my cousin. There was an explosion. We were scared and I ran home. It was dark in front of our house. They brought me to the doctor in the village who gave me first aid. I was not scared before, but now when the drone is flying, I'm scared of it. So the drone flying around overhead is kind of a common occurrence, and they just got the kids just gotten used to it. Yeah. So as the drone comes up, they weren't all that scared of it because they've heard drones plenty of times before. So basically, it's in the middle of the afternoon, quite a clear uh, day in the sky. It's about two forty-five. Uh, she's in the the family fields in North Waziristan, a village near one of the main cities. Uh, she's picking okra. The next day is Eid al-Adha, so the the holiest day in the year for Muslims. Uh, her kids are doing their, their work in the field as well. 
they noticed drones overhead. Uh, they were sort of used to that because drones are ubiquitous in the skies over there. And then literally, quite, quite suddenly, she's, she's attacked. Uh, there's a t she seems to be targeted deliberately. We can't tell, obviously, without more information. But a missile hits her directly, and she dies instantly. Uh, her kids, some of them are injured in that initial strike uh, from shrapnel. Uh, their house is damaged from the reverberation of the strike. Uh, as some of them venture to see what has happened to their grandmother, a few minutes later, another strike happens about nine feet away from where the grandmother is killed, and that injures more of her, of her grandchildren. After that, there's incredible panic, um, you know, as we saw in the, in the video clip. Uh, and up till this today, the, the family has not received even an acknowledgement from the U.S. authorities uh, that she was killed by a drone. You know, I should be very clear here that we researched this case, you know, very thoroughly. We even actually analyzed missile fragments from experts who said that this appears to be a Hellfire missile. Um, you know, we, we fact-checked everything. You can see it in the report. Uh, we really just have a very simple message to the U.S. How do you justify killing a grandmother? How does that make uh, anyone safer? And I have uh, the uh, report linked in the show notes. And the, and the part that I can't quite square up with, because we've gotten emails from UAV pilots, and they've told us that they have a video feed, like, of the whole thing. Like, okay. like it's like... Of course, because they would, they would need to. So... It kind of—I I don't understand how the trigger gets pulled in that scenario. Well, unless there was a misidentification. I wonder if it isn't about terror—if fighting terrorism with terrorism. If it isn't about killing these people. If it isn't about terrorizing them to show them that the U.S. will will go after them anywhere they are. And, and sometimes to do that, you kill innocents. Maybe. Oh, God, that's really—that's far, man. Yeah, but you look at what we did during Vietnam, like the, just the massive bombings that we did, like just the unbelievable amount of bombings we yeah, did. We, you, we reshaped the land down there. Yeah, but you also and look they were at just the, farmers. Yeah, but you also look at the the, the brushback too. I mean, there was the, the many, blowback. The blowback. Well, know. this drone thing is creating you know, significant. But you also, you also you also had soldiers, you know, that were that gone off in Vietnam as well. I mean, yeah. are we not looking at that possibility where you have a soldier who's not doing their job and they decided to pull the trigger just to pull the trigger? Maybe. I mean, the one thing that, you know, they've they've done studies on this stuff is that, you know, you get you, desensitized? Yeah, well, you have Maybe a, they play too many video games. Well, I don't know. I mean, but you have a pilot who is sitting uh, in a chair in a very, you know, well-off area, thousands of miles away. And they're able to just do well, whatever they want. Okay, can I play creepy is that, is devil's advocate? You ready for this? Okay. Maybe video resolution's lower than we think it is, even though we've seen some leaked footage. And, uh, you know, I see maybe she's she's all dolled up like with a, you know, you can't even tell it's a, a woman, maybe, right? And you see somebody bent over in a field digging. Maybe you think they're planting an IED or something. But right. Again, but it's a farm, right? Or, it's her garden. Okay, you want to get more conspiracy theorist? Well, I'm just saying, I'm trying to justify. Like maybe they thought that it was somebody like digging to plant an explosive or something, okay, okay. or a weapon. All right, let me get, let me get more. Now I have no facts or no, no, nothing to back this up. This is just pure, purely hypothetical. But what if it wasn't a grandmother? What if it truly was a terrorist? Uh, but the governments, these local governments, have spun up this story. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Amnesty International's, you know, they have this this report because they don't like in, dr they don't like drones. So what what better way? To, so to maybe pull the strike. The so the strike was real. The strike was real. So the missile fragments and all that are real. That's all real. But the victims are not who we think they are. Maybe. 
I mean, that's entire. I mean, we that's gotta, possible. I mean, we gotta look at both sides of the equation. It here. could be it like could, a like some sort of sophisticated PR war against the U.S. It's definitely possible. Hmm. You know, but I don't know because here's what. So here's a little clip that I just thought was interesting. What's one of the because things how that, do I not know that this go, uh, this grandmother even existed? How do I know this? Well, what's odd is the Friday before this story came out, it was it was it kind of came out through a leak that the U.S. has released funds to pay Pakistan like 1.6 billion dollars. Speaking of that, with our national debt at 17 trillion and counting, there are new questions over why we continue to spend tens of billions of dollars per year helping out countries that don't really like us very much. One of the countries in the critics' crosshairs, Pakistan, about to receive another 1.6 billion dollars from Washington. So it's like we're paying off the government to let us do this. Right. So are, are, is it that our military-industrial complex is just because here's the crazy thing about drone strikes: is drone strikes, all of these agencies, all this military, like when when you you know from everything I've heard, like a lot of times it's like a job. Like you go there, there's offices and like they need progress. They need reports. They need to demonstrate that they're accomplishing something. And these drone strikes are a way for them to do that. And you have the CIA, you know, orchestrating these particular strikes in secret. And then we have these backdoor payments to Pakistan of $1.6 billion. It's like it's almost like we have this need to flex the, the military industrial complex's muscle. And so we're willing to pay off a government to let us fly in there and kill a bunch of um, I don't know who we're killing, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah. This and this and so that was Amnesty International's report. Now this other, the second report is even is even a little more disgusting. The second report, done by Human Rights Watch, focuses on drone strikes in Yemen, investigating six specific strikes that the U.S. government refuses to admit even took place. And according to their research, some of these strikes were clear violations of international law. Two of the six cases that we examine in, uh, in my report uh, show that the U.S. indiscriminately killed uh, civilians. This is a clear violation of international law, even if it was not the U.S. intent. If it indiscriminately killed, it should uh, be held responsible. Yemen saw a flurry of drone strikes in August, which seemed to run counter to new drone policy guidelines announced by President Obama. Remember that big um, embassy shutdown? Yeah. In May. It's unknown whether drone guidelines stated publicly correspond with actual guidelines that are still shrouded in secrecy. The complete policy is classified. We don't actually know what the policy is. We have to keep in mind that during the heightened security threat in August, when U.S. embassies were closed around the world, one anonymous U.S. official did say that the policy was essentially being disregarded at that time. So we disregard the policy. And on top of that, you remember we played this clip like back in February. Obama is using a highly disputed um, legal authorization. Quote, Mr. Obama embraced a disputed method for counting civilian casualties that did little to box him in. It, in effect, counts all military age males in a strike zone as combatants, according to several administration officials, unless there is explicit intelligence posthumously proving them innocent. So they're able to officially declare... Uh, all of these people as um, enemy combatants unless some other report comes out disputing it. So until I bet until some other third party says, hey, you just killed a bunch of civilians in their books, it's all enemy, enemy combatants that are checked off the list. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now here is you can listen to this justification of the drone program. And essentially what it boils down to is, well, look, America is going to kill and we're either going to kill a lot of people or we're going to kill less people by narrowly targeting our action against those who want to kill us 
and not the people they hide among. We are choosing the course of action least likely to result in the loss of innocent life. U.S. counterterrorism operations are precise, they are lawful, and they are effective. And the United States does not take lethal strikes when we or our partners have the ability to capture individual terrorists. Terrorists. Our preference is always to detain, interrogate, and prosecute. We take extraordinary care to make sure that our counterterrorism actions are in accordance with all applicable domestic and international law and that they are consistent with U.S. values and U.S. policy. Of particular note, before we take any counterterrorism strike outside areas of active hostilities, there must be near certainty that no civilians will be killed or injured. And that is the highest standard we can set. Of course, the problem is if your definition of civilian is sort of fudgeable, then it's kind of easy to reach that definition, that standard. Well, the, 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 the biggest problem here is we don't get full disclosure on either side. Right. We, we don't We find know. out through leaks and third-party investigations. Right. We don't know what's true. We don't know what's false. And right. so what happens here is we have to come – with the uh, these, you know, I would say technically they are third-party reports yeah. from major outlets, yeah. and you know we're only we can only believe what we see, and we're not even getting the full picture. And the places, you know, that we're striking, particularly like the boondocks of Pakistan, which I have the uh, I put the location in the show notes if you guys are curious where it's at. Um, and uh, it's like these places don't have any kind of connectivity; they no. can't report out what's going on. They no. somebody has to go in, do the reporting, do the investigation, and come out. And of course, none of none of our media is going to do it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you know there's a possibility that uh, an old woman was was droned. I'm not saying that here. What the the one thing I want to be abundantly clear is we just don't have full information. We have yeah. no idea if there's some sort of counter uh, drone campaign being spun up by those local governments think, and, and major you know, guys. This, we just don't know. The people seem to people seem to agree that Amnesty International is pretty legit in their in their research. I, I would suspect because of their I mean they're talking like they had teams of people on the ground right. like investigating. So. It seems like there was probably an angle but, they would have looked into. But, but Amnesty International doesn't like the drone strikes at all, right? So probably. So if they don't like the drone strikes at Same, all, yeah. and a company yeah. or a marketing firm who is being, uh, you know, I know this is a conspiracy ish, but that is being spun off as local reports on the ground. Uh, by the way, this bacon uh, coming to you live and direct from the beautiful, beautiful city of Land O'Lakes, Florida. Um, I gotta say that. When you have these kind of reports and we don't have all the facts from everywhere, you have to look at all possibilities. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree that it could be a PR campaign. Um, so we don't know. one of the things that is That's kind of – pisses me off. We, you know, we, we check out this angle. So uh, speaking of drones, one of the things we're doing is you know, we're setting an international arms race with these drones. And this is an extremely odd connection and angle to this whole drone story. A Russian general has received a rather unusual... By the way, that's general, she said. ...usual souvenir from Tehran. An Iranian-made copy of a U.S. spy drone, the one Tehran says... Remember that drone that we covered crashed? And, uh, and then the U.S. said, no, we didn't, we didn't lose any drone. Well, so Iran took the whole thing apart. It shot down last year. Tehran claims to have reverse-engineered the device and decoded all the data it had stored, and lately has even unveiled its own new drone designs. So that they've made their own designs based off what they've taken apart, and they're bringing them over to a Russian general. Is like, a, here you go, buddy, new friend. Aren't we all just going to have a bear hug now over our copied drone? So it's kind of spooky. And let's not keep, let's not lose perspective. The timing of all of these revelations is probably not a coincidence. In the time 
remind me, the release of these reports was not a coincidence. Oh. And while we sit here in Washington, D.C., with the Prime Minister of Pakistan meeting the President of the United States, staying in a hotel very close to this building, let's not forget the people on the ground who are affected by drones and the situation uh, more broadly. Mm-hmm. So I thought uh, – so that'll be an interesting con- – now, I think that conversation either happens Thursday or Friday Okay. Uh, between uh, Obama and the Prime Minister of Pakistan. I don't know what they're going to talk about, but if they talk about this issue and there's any reports about it, we'll cover it next week. Could be – could be a no show. I mean, it really yeah. could be nothing. Yeah, we may not know. Right. I have a, my I have a I have a suspicion right now. Unless something big happens, the main headline of next week's going to be guns because there was that shooting in Nevada, and ooh, is that a red book prediction? Should oh, I should huh? it should be mm-hmm. okay. Good call. Good call, yeah, Chase. Buddy. Good call. Yeah. Might as well warm up the red book right now. Um, we don't use it as enough. As in we fact, should. you know, we should make this the red. We should make this the red book song. What do you think? I like it because we don't use it very often. All right. So, all right. So, for episode seventy-two, yes. Now, Chris's I wanna, red book prediction. I want to. I want to just stress here that this is only if there isn't some other big thing that happens. Sure. Okay. Because that will, of course, take the headlines. Of course. So, I mean, this is the back. This is called the backup fail-safe right. story. And so, when the media, you know, has this three-week drive like they had over the shutdown, just push, 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 special graphics, push, push, push. Now, the, now things kind of retract for a little bit. So, we kind of had a smattering of stories this week. So, next week, it's going to be the gun control debate, and this time they're going to take that teacher from Nevada and sort of make her the face, the victim face of this debate. Okay. Because that's a very appealing way. That's why this Amnesty International focused on that grandma. Right. Right? Because yes. that's that's sort of brings it home from a statistic to a person, and uh, now we're going to get that with this teacher in this shooting. Um, so I'm going to say gun control will be the big topic next week. Wow. Now I don't even want that, by the way. But uh, next week, unless something bigger happens, that's my red book prediction. And this is we're going to find out if it came true in just one episode. Yep. So gun control next week. Unless major story. All right, Chase, there we go. There's Chris's red book story prediction for next week. I'm going to keep that red book open for when you get your uh, your Reddit prediction for our uh, subreddit. Fair enough. Okay, all right. So I want to move us into a topic that we've just been kind of following a little bit because it seems to somewhat interest the audience. And since it's happening right here in our backyard. And, it, you know, we, we talked about this in the supporter show. Yeah. Where the state of Washington has, has been a trendsetter in a lot of different things. That's actually, I don't know, did we make that in the supporter show? I think uh, we did. We, we talked about. I think we did too. The state of Washington was uh, one of the first to label like if the fish were wild or from a farm, right? Um, and if foods were from a different country. In fact, uh, this clip from our local NBC affiliate just sort of sums it all up for us. King Five News. Getting our first look at results of a statewide poll on Initiative Five Twenty Two. That's the heated debate over the labeling of genetically modified foods. All right. So he just called it genetically modified foods. Let's see if you can pick up the new terminology that gets dropped in this report. Okay. King Five's Tracy Ewan joins us live to show us the brand new numbers. Wait, Chris? Yeah. This could be an Ask the Chat Room. Oh, okay. Let's right. do it. All right. So, it. so, chat room. Good listen, call. Good li- call. Listen up here. So, this is a local news report. A new term is going to be coined. It's new to me. And they, you know, and they, so, I mean, I'm So, well, it's kind of like spot. I want to see if they catch it. Yeah. Spot. Spot the term. Spot the, 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 the term or the theme? Um, uh, it's a pivot in terminology. All right. Spot the new pivot in terminology, and we'll be right back. Out this morning, Teresa. 
Good morning, Mark. It is a tight race, so it's up to voters to decide whether or not there should be a special label on most raw and processed foods if there's a genetically modified ingredient in it. Let's take you right to these latest poll numbers. Well, in a King 5 poll of likely voters, 45% say they support 522, 38% are against, and 16% are still undecided. So at this point, there's a narrow margin of I-522 passing. As you know, both sides have spent millions of dollars on ads, a coalition of eastern Washington farmers, small businesses, and parents put together this measure. The goal, they say, more transparency when it comes to what's in our food. But opponents argue I-522 would force expensive and misleading labeling of genetically engineered food that doesn't exist in other states. And they believe the current system of organic labeling works and is informative. But still, the proponents, in fact, are trying to scare consumers. The first two and a half pages of their initiative go on about all these fictional, dire consequences of GE foods. They're trying to scare consumers, and there's absolutely no scientific reason for doing that. We were the first state to label whether our fish are farm-raised or wild-caught. You know, we uh, label for country of origin. We label flavorings. This is just more information so shoppers can make an informed decision at the grocery store. And coming up in our next hour, find out how many grocery products actually have genetically engineered ingredients in them. We'll have that number coming up at 830. For now, live in Seattle, I'm Teresa Yu in King 5 News. It's now time to play Ask the Chabber. We played a clip, and now you need to spot that theme. If you spot the theme, you'll get accolades. Chris. Are we ready to uh, pull the uh, chat room question? All right, go ahead and pull it. Blue Phoenix 316 says, GE Foods. Hey, wow, really? So, you know what? Got it right there. In fact, yeah. I saw Murphy got it really early on, too. Yeah. yeah. Is this new to you? GE Foods? Genetically engineered foods. I've never heard that. And what's interesting about it is... is I, I, we also heard, uh, to be fair, for all the people who threw this in, uh, genetically engineered ingredients. We heard that as well. I want to see if I can... Uh, I don't know if I can move it forward. I want the place. The part I wanted to play for you is... There's a there she then like at the end of the clip she like really slowly spells it out and yeah. I don't think I knew this morning we're, yeah I would have to replay the whole thing yeah uh, but she like definitely spits it out I don't know I mean I think maybe genetically engineers maybe a way to try to make it sound smarter instead of modified because modified scary but engineered well I trust engineering well that, yeah that's because there's a lot of science that's right. science and in, engineers involved. are smart and they're smart and yeah. the food is smarter the mm-hmm. food is better mm-hmm. I want my food engineered <laughs> <laughs> all right Chase well uh, before we run this week and we yeah. always oh by the way yeah. I wanted to mention yes so you know there's been this big fuss and this big fight over uh, this i i522 proposal yeah. uh, you know what's interesting about this whole thing is it's actually it's not that stringent. In fact, some foods that are produced with genetically engineered ingredients or processing aids, such as cheese, yogurt, or bakery products, all of which you know could use enzymes in production, would actually be exempt from labeling requirements. Really? As all would all restaurants, all restaurants and alcoholic beverages would be exempt from labeling. Well, that makes sense because you know the restaurants themselves, you know, may not know, may not know, yeah. and uh, also, they don't have the ability to do testing of their food. There is a labeling program of sorts that can already use uh, for GMO-free foods, where people opt in to label as GMO-free. But the problem is, is that doesn't actually validate all the way down the chain, and it requires that people opt in lower down the chain. Uh, so anyway, I just thought it was interesting that you know they made allowances for. So I come, I come down to, I think that I think that comparison they made in that clip between labeling farm-raised fish and wild fish is a very valid one because. As somebody who eats both, there is a very large difference in those two products, for yeah, one. That's true. And also, there's 
some health factors for one, uh, and nu- and nutrient differences too. Actually, there's been studies that show there's actual nutrient differences. And, and see, and I and I've talked about this on a previous show, is that I want pure information that has not been funded by either side, either been funded by yeah. Monsanto or General Mills or it's, some sort of major it's company. It's kind of like when I buy a bag of lettuce, I like to know if that bag of lettuce came from China. And if there's a bag next to it that came from Oregon, yeah. I'm gonna buy the bag from Oregon. <laughs> That's you know, and I just want to be able to make that. Just want, I a I like deciding where my money goes, and b I like the idea that maybe something came up from a truck instead of a boat. Well, unless obviously if those seeds accidentally flew into that farm, <laughs> you always like bringing that up. I'm just saying, you always got to bring just up the saying, seeds. Just saying. Uh, all right, Chase. Well, we did get an email about the GMO labeling. We did, yeah. And this came in from Nate, and he writes and it says on why GMO labeling should happen. He's a great show. I do my best to watch it live every week. On the latest episode, you guys had a segment about Washington's GMO labeling campaign. Who, us? No, that doesn't sound like us. (laughs) And arguing for and against it. Okay. I personally am of the camp for labeling GMO products because it seems like that would be the only way to reliably get that information. Yeah. I agree. Regardless of whether GMO products are safe for consumption or not, it's more of an issue of principle. It's sort of like free-range meats, where you are buying them specifically not because they are are necessarily more healthy in the long run, but more because you support that method of production. Yeah. Much of the same with GMO. I know that I in no way want to support the Monsanto organization, being a big supporter of open source and all that. Anyway, keep up the great work. I am a resident of Washington, uh, thought not yet of age to vote, and would never have heard of deeper going-ons around this initiative if it weren't for you guys. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. you. Uh, Meet up. And, just saying, we should do an unfiltered on location for some big event. Well, here, here's the here's maybe like election. Well, here's something. well, here's what I'm thinking, Chris. What do you thinking, Chase? Next uh, summer, once the weather gets back to nice. Yeah. Again, okay. I already have the the unfiltered mobile broadcast studio. Do you? Well, well it's, it's 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 a tent camper. Um, oh, okay. Okay. All right. We can make it work. We can, and, make, we can put we, a mic stand in there. Too, oh, yeah. or on, oh, on the oh, little yeah. post. And, uh, well, and we actually could bring a tent and set up an awning outside, and oh, we can cool. go to a barbecue. Totally going to barbecue, right? Totally. We, actually, we could do it there at the beach. Yeah. We could just do it right there. That's a nice beach. And, People have know, to drive quite a ways, And though. we can actually broadcast audio through our phones because LTEs, man. <laughs> That's true. LTEs. That's true. Maybe that would work. That would uh, be fun. All right, so I didn't get a chance to process all of the feedback this week because it was kind of down to the wire to this show. Oh. These... These weeks where there's yeah. not a huge story are actually really hard because it's yeah. so much stuff to sift through to find the interesting bits. But to me, the movement around the drones – and by the way, both those groups are going to start working with the UN now to sort of push it forward at that level. If you want to keep track of some of the stuff we're talking about, if you want to help push the direction of this show, comment on stuff, or even just get more information throughout the week, then I think Chase might have a spot he wants to recommend There's to a great spot you can head over to. It's unfiltered.reddit.com. Say what? Where you can uh, post stories that interest you and think would be appropriate to the show. You can also upvote and downvote. If you think that story just doesn't belong, you could definitely do that as well. All right, so you ready for your prediction from last week? Yeah, what was my prediction last 919 week? 919 subscribers to the unfiltered. 919? 919-er. What do we got this week? Unfortunately, I got some terrible news to report. What, Chase? What? Uh, we broke through that. Yeah! <laughs> what, what do we have? 930 nice. lovely supporters. Do you want to set a goal for... Yeah. What? Yeah. Nine fifty. You're crazy. No. Nine fifty? Nine fifty. This is gonna be the time it doesn't ha- it, it doesn't this, happen. I'm breaking the streak. I'm gonna break the streak. Oh, I'm a little 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. All right, let's see it. Let's see if we can do it. Nine fifty. All right, unfiltered.reddit.com. Hey Chase, if I wanted to catch up with you throughout the week, Aww. you got a place I could go? Maybe like a Twitter page or an about page, something like that. Yeah, you can head over to chasenunes.com. There you can follow me on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, circle me on Google Plus. What about that Minecraft show you mentioned where you're going to be doing it live and stuff? Well, we're not doing. Well, we're not. Well, we're going to give away the ticket on live. Sunday. We're not going to Minecon live. No, I'm talking about Sunday. Sunday, geekgamer.tv. You can hey, watch oh. us live. We're on Twitch. We're on UStream. We're also have our own ad free stream now. Chris. Yeah. During the course of the week, uh-huh. you I like to give people updates of what's happening at Jupiter Broadcasting. Wisdom in doses world. and 140 characters over at twittercom slash yeah. Now, don't forget, you guys, we will be back here next week early, 5 p.m. Pacific time. So make sure you join us then. We'll be right back here next, next week. week.